So we started our uh, we started our preaching series. Uh, we okay with the microphones because I can hear them adjusting as I talk. So I don't know if we're okay. Are the levels okay? Hallelujah! May the Lord help us. Amen. Um, we started we started this series uh, on transforming the, the nations and uh, uh, change or. Hope for the Nations with Pastor Joel on July 4th weekend, and I kind of carried it into last weekend, uh, talking a little bit about where we're at and uh, why we're there and how we got there. Uh, Because the church is called to be salt and and light. We are the light of the world, amen? And uh, as as, uh, our author uh, has described so well in this book that that as the church was launched, the church brought great impact to the world, great influence to the world. And there was a time where the church was extremely optimistic, and now we're living in a day where the church is more pessimistic. In fact, as I posted a video by this author uh, this week on my Facebook, if you go there, I posted a video of him introducing the book in 2011. And it's interesting, he closes his remarks upon introducing this book in Europe. He's being filmed at a podium, it's posted on YouTube. He closes his remarks talking about that a problem globally is the pessimism of the Western church. This is a problem, it's affecting the whole world pessimism in the Western church is affecting the whole world. Uh, So last week I talked about uh, this a little bit more today. I want to continue with this. This idea that God, God has worked in the nations. He wants to continue to work in the nations. That God has done great things in the nations. He wants to continue to do great things in the nations. But uh, he also needs a cooperative body. He needs a cooperative flock that we are the body of Christ. When God was to demonstrate his grace, his sovereignty, his kindness to his kids and thereby, and they were called the light and the salt as well, he, he told them that he would dispossess the unrighteous out of a territory that he had promised their forefather Abraham and that he would take them into that and he called it a promised land, right? And so when they got up to the promised land, after promise after promise, prophet after prophet, visitation after visitation, uh, when they got up to that promised land, then the people the people fell apart with unbelief, right? And they didn't go in. But yet the enemy, the enemy knew they were coming in. The enemy quaked, yeah? Uh, but, but they did not go in. And so they had to wander in the wilderness, and it says they wandered until a whole generation of unbelieving ones died off. If God is not doing amazing things in our midst, sometimes it's not because it's his will. Sometimes it's because it's our will. Sometimes he can only do that which the church, his people, will believe and cooperate with him to do. Did you know that to be true? That's true in your life, right? 
in a microism, it's true. In, uh, in, in a macro way, it's very similar that the whole body, the whole body, if the whole body is believing something or disbelieving something, then uh, that sets the tone for what God can do in that generation. And we want God to do amazing things in our generation. Yes? Oh, yeah, you're acting like a quiet church this morning. You're absolutely petrified about what I'm going to say, aren't you? Some of you already know what I'm going to say. Uh, So uh, I talked last week about we've had two camps within Christendom that have been subtly feeding into the decline of Christianity in America. Uh, The first camp that I talked about last week, I believe, and these are very radical statements, so... Uh, again, I, I should preface all of my statements today by saying I love you. Uh, it would be nice if you loved me. Uh, I should preface my statements today by saying that my father and I disagree on many of the topics I'm going to talk on today. We still love each other. The fact is he doesn't, he's not trying to kill me. He actually wants me to live. Uh, we, you know, we posted a post this week about Tim LaHaye and about the Left Behind book series that have sold 65 million copies. I love Tim LaHaye. Uh, I appreciate everything that he has done in or for the body of Christ. I, I appreciate his ministry. Uh, it, that commentary or what I'm about to say today uh, is not because I, it's not out of disparagingness. It's not... Uh, though I'm very passionate about what I'll share, but it is not uh, to be a negative or a slam on Tim LaHaye. And I I want uh, Tim LaHaye and all of those who have some of the viewpoints that he shares, I want them to live and not die. And I want them to prosper in the Lord, and I want them to lead more souls to Jesus. And I rejoice that the gospel is being preached. Now, I say that because I have I've had death threats on my life for what I'm going to tell you this morning. Uh, this week, there were people posting on our Facebook page. They call uh, our church a NAR church, N-A-R, New Apostolic Reformation Church. Uh, and they, and uh, I've had a person uh, declaring that I should be killed and that uh, they're praying for my death. Uh, yes, we've had the police visit their home as well. Uh, the detective in Fife is a preacher's son, a preacher's kid, Uh, and so he's very aware of some of the oddities that can happen in the body of Christ. Uh, But I want to encourage you that uh, some of the things I'm going to share, it's not that, you know, can't we all just get along? Uh, There there are some who feel like the things that I'm going to share today with you, uh, that it's worthy of death. When I fell off the roof last year, this man took the credit for me falling and said that that he's felt my knife twice, and the third time he will die. Um, so, because I guess he pinpointed something else that happened to me earlier in the year. I can't remember what it is now, but but just to share, just to share with you that that uh, you, I I hope that uh, that there are certain teachings that we can uh, examine and uh, look at and discuss that are not, uh, they are not 
what would you say, foundational to salvation? And since they aren't foundational to salvation, we could actually disagree and still love each other. Uh, I hope that's okay. And, uh, you know, part of what I'm going to share today, too, I'm giving you a few preface thoughts. Uh, It is what I hold to at this moment, uh, but the Lord could change my mind, you know. Uh, One of the postings this week said that New Horizon is an NAR church, New Apostolic Reformation Church, and they teach that Jesus can't come back until he totally subdues all leadership in the seven mountains. Uh, I don't think we've ever preached that or said that, though 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 we would love to see uh, him do that through, through the body of Christ. That'd be wonderful. Uh, but he can come back whenever the Father says go. Amen. And so you know some interesting things are being said, uh, but I'm I'm saying some of some of this so that you uh, understand a little bit of my heart and. Um, um, and a little bit of what surrounds all of this, Amen. So I think it's fun to uh, I think it's fun to try to change one another's minds. Obviously, my father thinks that because every time I go to visit them, he gives me a new prophecy book <laughs> on dispensational prophecy uh, and on the you know how, on, uh, how, how everything's falling apart. And how, um, and then he names a new Antichrist, right? So I won't give you some of those names, but he takes the time to name a few that could be the newest Antichrist. So I, I didn't know she could be a woman, but uh, that was a joke. I saw that one posted. I saw that one posted recently. That was a joke, but... But obviously, my father holds to a traditional, like a Tim LaHaye, dispensational theological view. Obviously, I don't, so I've given him several books to read. And we banter back and forth, and we have our little discussions without guns and bullets. Hallelujah. So today, please receive, no matter how passionate I get when I talk, That's what preachers do. Please receive this in the spirit of uh, maybe there's something here. This is Dwayne's choice. This is how he sees things now. Maybe there's something here. Uh, And then be a Berean and study the word for yourself. Uh, Even grab my notes. Uh, I'm willing to share all of my notes, which are mainly scriptures. Um, but uh, I'm willing to share my notes and my thoughts with you so you can study some of these things out deeper. Uh, So I'm about to make a very passionate statement, is that I believe the second reason, the second reason uh, that the church uh, has become less effectual in America is because of uh, a rapture emphasis and dispensational theology. So that's a feeling that I have uh, because what happened is as this uh, invaded our world and I was a partaker of all of that and it began very strong in 1948 when Israel became a nation, uh, what happened uh, in 1948 when Israel became a nation, then those who had a dispensational view with regard to rapture and tribulation and who saw it in 
uh, a coming futuristic perspective, then they also concluded that when Israel becomes a nation, that means that she's beginning to blossom. Pay attention when she begins to blossom. This is a figurative metaphor out of Matthew 24. Uh, And then this generation shall not pass until all these things come to pass. And so uh, that generation uh, that I was raised in, we were convinced that the Lord was coming back by 1988, a generation, 1988, and so we begin to, because if you, if you see that, then what happens is you have to combine with it many other prophetic occurrences that are a part of that. For instance, sin will increase, the Antichrist will show up, lawlessness will increase, um, uh, um, et cetera, et cetera. There's many scriptures about the last days. These are scriptures about the last days. And so many of these scriptures about the last days, uh, even if there would be an apostasy and many will fall away. And there are several of those. We'll touch on a few of those this morning. But that generation saw that as coming by 1988. It didn't happen by 1988. But nonetheless, what happened is that influence has continued. And as you know, it's continued because those 65 million books Left Behind books didn't sell prior to 1988. They've sold since 1988 as there's still a very strong evangelical culture that sees the world lens and the future unfolding of events through that lens of the coming Antichrist, the tribulation, uh, the rapture, the mark of the beast, uh, etc., etc. So what happens is... It, it tends to, and then what happens is every time, uh, every time we see negativity, if that's our lens, every time we see negativity in culture, in society, we tend to see it through that lens, and therefore we tend to make the declaration that, oh, these things are just part of the fulfillment. So uh, credit cards become you know, a cashless society because somebody said we had to have that, and that's just the precursor to the mark of the beast, and then... Uh, you know, everything that's happened. And I'll just give you a for instance. Can I give you a for instance real, real quick? Um, I just, you know, I just went on to Google and I typed in the coming Antichrist. Just, just do this for fun. And there's all of these dispensational theologians in and amongst our churches who are taking essentially my opinion, please forgive me, taking advantage of crises and saying, see there, it's getting worse. See there, it's about to happen. And so what happens is this, we don't understand this is ruining our faith, not the faith to win souls, but the faith to see the kingdom of heaven increase in the earth. This is, this is, this is not leveraging our faith toward heaven come. This is leveraging, and, and I, I find it interesting even that, that even the perspective of, here Jesus clearly said, pray for heaven to come. But if you have subconsciously this question, really? I thought we were supposed to get out of here. We're supposed to go to heaven. If, with, if you have within you this, I'm supposed to get off of the earth foundation of theology within you, 
then you don't have this passionate plea for heaven to really come. Your passionate plea is for you to go to heaven. So this, there's all sorts of things that we have to guard for. So if you are going to hold to a dispensational, traditional, tribulation, rapture kind of theology or philosophy, then you're going to have to also be very careful that you don't let that harm or rob you from the very things that God has called you to embrace right now, fight for right now, pray for right now, and believe for right now. So maybe put it out there a little bit further so that you continue to believe God for a worldwide revival. So I just typed in the Antichrist, and here was uh, uh, electronic files with Charisma News popped up. Uh, and this, is, this one said by Steve McGill. This one said, where are we on the prophetic timeline? We are in the time of the divided Roman Empire when Great Britain, the United States, and Russia have all risen in power together on the world stage. These empires have moved us into the age of Islam. Islam will continue to impact the world events to move us toward a realignment of all the nations into ten political economic regions through terror and immigration and the dominating of local and national politics to enforce Sharia law. Islam's prophetic destiny is to assimilate Europe, the United States, and Russia to Islam. Once this is in place, the world will be ready to accept the ten-region alignment of all nations. It is out of this new world order that the Antichrist will arrive to enforce his agenda and to kill every Jew, Christian, and anyone opposing him. Glad to know that's where we're at. That's lovely. Thank you. I appreciate the encouragement. I mean, you just type in some of this stuff and you will find the prophetic voices of the evangelical church telling you that poo is about to hit the fan. How does that affect your faith? How does that affect your hope? Are you ready to have children and bring them up in this wonderful world? Are you excited about that? Christian Brianna, welcome to hell. I mean, this... I really think that now. I really think that the Bible's got a, a kind of a more hope-filled perspective, and I'm telling you that somehow, no matter where you end up landing in terms of futuristic viewpoint, if you don't land somewhere in a way that you can condition your mind with faith, all the way down to the root of the foundation of your mind, then it's going to affect your emotions. It's going to affect your prayer life, your faith, your investments. You're going to stay out of the stock market. You're, going to, you're, you're not going to risk any money because the whole world's going to fall apart any minute. You're not going to have babies, so the Muslims will have all the babies because they're going to take over. You're not taking over. Christianity is shrinking. We're just a bunch of miserable piles of boo about ready to jump off of a plank somewhere. I, it's going to mess with your whole internal heart and then your emotions, and then it's going to work its way out into your behavior, right? Whereas I think that everything's going on. I think everything that is going on, every crisis, I believe God is going to leverage those crises for the advancement of Jesus, for the advancement of righteousness, for the advancement of the righteous... 
Not everything happening is righteous, I said. He will work good through the bad. He will bring bad out of the good. That's just what my crazy viewpoint does to our hearts, okay? So come on over. Life is better over here. As Pastor Joel has often said, life's better here. Uh, let's, uh, let's dive in and talk a little bit about, um, we need to kind of back up the train, uh, though we don't have time. Uh, we need to back up the train just a little bit and, uh, and kind of work our way into this. So we'll give you some scripture. Uh, Michael's on the board, so we'll go as fast as we can. Okay. Bless his fingers in the name of the Lord. Thank you for that vote of blessing. Okay, so number one, uh, uh, not that I should say number one, because I, I have a book here, so I have a book, but we'll go through it as fast as we can. Number one, the prophets announced the coming kingdom and the rule of the kingdom, or the rule of the king. God showed Daniel an outline of history, and that outline of history that God showed Daniel, by the way, is the outline of history that Jesus quotes from, refers to in Matthew 24, Luke 21, okay? So when he talks about the end of the age, he refers to Daniel's visions, and he says, be aware of what Daniel saw when you see the abomination that causes desolation in Judea, not in Tacoma, in Judea, get out of town, okay? So, uh, number one, the prophets announced this coming king and kingdom. God showed Daniel an outline of history. In this statue that he showed Daniel, there were represented four empires. The Babylon, the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and then finally the fourth was the Roman Empire. Now, by the way, the Roman Empire in the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation talks about ten toes or ten horns, and that's where these common, these modern-day prophetic voices keep saying, things have to be realigned into ten, and when they come back into ten, then we know things are... So, that's where they're getting that, okay? So, there were four empires. Rome was the last of the four in the statue. In this vision, a stone... Jesus is called what? A rock, a stone, the rock that the builders rejected, a stone, struck down the statue and became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Here it is out of Daniel chapter 2. Everybody okay? Pinch yourself, make make sure you're still awake. Pinch your neighbor. Clean your ears. Wiggle. Daniel chapter 2, 34, you continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Uh, That was the Roman Empire, the final, the ten-toed empire. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all crushed at the same time and became like chaff before the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. What did it do? Filled the whole earth. 
It was explained during that period of the final kingdom, the Roman Empire, that the God of heaven would set up a kingdom that would never be destroyed. Going on to verse 44, let's read this. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. In the days of those kings, so the last of the Roman kings, the God of heaven would set up a kingdom that would never be destroyed. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. So the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God was established, and it is a growing kingdom. It is an increasing kingdom, and it is to fill the whole earth. Number two, in a later vision, Daniel saw Christ's enthronement, As it was described in chapter 2, now he sees Christ's enthronement. This is out of Daniel chapter 7. Let's read this together. I kept looking at the night in the light visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion. Oh, they hate that word. Quit using that word. But it's in the Bible. One of the postings on the Facebook was, he is a dominionist. That's like calling me a faith preacher. He's just a faith preacher. Of course, is there a doubt preacher? I would rather be a doubt and unbelief preacher, glory to. Who should I glorify? I I don't know. Let's move forward. It's the Bible church. Come on, everybody say Bible. Daniel 7, I kept looking in the night visions. The Son of Man was coming. He came up to the Ancient of Days. He came up to the Ancient this is a This is a picture of Jesus ascending. He ascends and he comes in the clouds and with clouds to his Father. He's not coming as a Son of Heaven, a Son of God. He was coming as the Son of Man. This is the ascending Jesus. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and every men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Good time to shout right there. By the way, this vision is not a vision of the second coming. This is a vision of him coming into his glory, coming into his dominion. Matthew sixteen twenty eight. Jesus said this, Truly I say to you, there are some of you who are standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. Uh, every... Every verse I read today, this is really, I'm trying to give you like a 10-week class. We did this in 10 weeks one time. Byron came. He was about the only person that came. <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, so every verse, I mean, I could, I could preach and teach on every verse, but uh, then we'd be here for 10 weeks. Number three, through the resurrection, Jesus has been exalted to his throne in the heavens and is ruling from there. He is ruling from there. Jerusalem above is our mother, not Jerusalem beneath. Jerusalem above. That's Galatians 4 if you want to write it down. Acts chapter 2. Likewise, it says that it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he, David, said, 
My Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Ephesians 1.20, the power which he wrought or brought about in Christ when Father raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. By the way, that's very important because we are living in the one to come. That'll mess you up right there. Number four, the kingdom of heaven, the rule of Jesus, will be established progressively and manifestly through history. So though Jesus drove a stake in the ground and his kingdom was begun, it's manifest progressively. Uh, Michael, do you have the humdinger graph? Yes, we have the beautiful graph of the prophecy teacher, Dwayne the Pain Allen. So here you go. All right? So I'm teasing with you uh, because uh, I'm not planning on us becoming a prophecy church. But anyway, here's our graph. And this gives you kind of a timeline of what we're discussing today is that we had the Abrahamic covenant and then added to the Abrahamic covenant. That's what Galatians 4 tells us, that it was added unto because of transgression until the time that the promise would come. And so added to the Abrahamic covenant was the Mosaic covenant, and that brought us into a dispensation of law. And then that dispensation of law essentially did not conclude at the cross or the resurrection. It continued until the temple was torn down. When the temple was torn down between AD 68 and AD 70, that's when the sacrificial system stopped, and that's when the law system symbolically stopped. It's a flash of power. That's when the uh, that, that's when the uh, the age of law officially uh, closed, and we entered into a dispensation of fulfillment, the fulfillment of law and promise. The law was not uh, removed or eradicated; sacrificial system was removed. The law was fulfilled by Christ. We enter into that fulfillment. And the, the promise of Abraham, we enter into both of those. And so now we're in a dispensation of fulfillment, the fulfillment of the law and the promise, living within the heart. Okay? Again, we could preach on that for 10 weeks and we have to move on. Number five, the kingdom of God, the rule of Jesus will be established progressively. Number six, and I might be wrong on my numbers. Number six, the kingdom will be established fully on the last day. On the last day. So uh, you see a growing kingdom. Uh, it's growing. And what we see is we see tribulating during the growing kingdom period. So are things tribulating right now? They're tribulating right now everywhere, right? Venezuela, did I say it right? Uh, is tribulating. I heard there were problems in Orlando this morning. Of course, there's problems in China. Uh, they've had a collapse of economy. There's been problems in Japan. The nations are tribulating. Uh, as the nations are tribulating, God will be using that to leverage an increase in the kingdom in the nations uh, because the nations cannot stand on ungodliness or on unrighteousness. It's only on the word of God that they can stand and grow and develop. So wherever and to whatever degree there's 
unrighteousness at the core and the foundation of a nation, then to that degree that nation will tribulate. And so all things will shake and there will be a shaking until that which cannot shake remains and that which cannot shake governs. And in the midst of all this, the kingdom of God, the the word of the Lord is increasing and shall increase over time until the kingdom is fully established on the last day. 1 Corinthians 15, 24, then comes the end when he, Jesus, delivers up the kingdom of God to the Father, when he's abolished all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. Uh, Let's move forward. Let's keep going, like into whatever it might be. Number seven, you okay? For a period, the kingdom of God, his covenant promises and blessings are given or were given over to the Gentile nations. John ten sixteen. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice, and shall be one flock with one shepherd. Uh, Jesus spoke over Israel in Matthew 21, verse 40. When the owner of the vineyard comes, they say to him, he will... This is the story about the vineyard. You remember the story? So the the essentially the earth has been leased out. He's telling them the story, uh, essentially of Israel, uh, and that the earth had been leased out to them, but they were killing the prophets and they were killing those that were sent to check on the vineyard, even to bring the word of the owner to the vine growers. And so when the sun came, when the sun came, they said, hey, this is, this is the owner. This is the sun. And so let's kill him. Here's what it says at the end of that story in Matthew 21. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whoever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. Now, this was to happen until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Then Israel will be grafted back in. Israel will be restored. And when Israel is restored, it will be salvation for the entire globe. And we look forward to those days. We pray for those days. Amen? Um, Israel had killed and persecuted her prophets. Therefore, a certain judgment was to come upon them. Essentially, it was the judgment that God had been declaring ever since Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 8, Deuteronomy 28. Uh, Word after word after word, he had told them that if you forsake me, this is what will happen. And this is essentially the seven woes that Jesus declares in Matthew 23. So Matthew 24 that we use for the rapture passage is actually preceded by Matthew 23. And if we look at Matthew 23, it sheds a lot of light on Matthew 24. And then we begin to see maybe it's not so much a rapture passage, maybe it's a destruction passage, like an end-of-the-world passage. So Matthew 23 is where Jesus cries. He weeps over Jerusalem. He weeps over Israel. He says, I wanted to gather you as a hen would gather her chicks, but you would not. Therefore, desolation will come upon you. He declares desolation will come upon this generation. 
uh, and he shares this with them. And then he declares the seven woes over them, seven woes that correspond to the seven seals of judgment that are broken loose in Revelation. So these are the seven woes that he declares over them in Matthew 23. And this is what he says, Consequently, you bear witness against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. Just very nice speech is what it was. Gentle, kind of real gentle speech. Fill up the, (laughs) you serpents, you brood of vipers, how shall you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill, some crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the, righteous, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you, how oft I want together your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. Now, this is the precursor to the great tribulation, and Matthew 24 was a description of the great tribulation. Dispensational theologians are preparing you for the great tribulation. The Bible teaches it already took place, and it teaches that there will not be another one like unto this, because Jesus said that there will be a tribulation in those days like never has been and never will be. So it doesn't mean there won't be tribulating, but there will not be a tribulation as the one that destroyed Israel, that wiped them off of the face of the earth, that sent them and scattered them throughout all of the nations, that destroyed the sacrificial system, and that launched the kingdom of heaven in onto the earth, the kingdom wherein we have become right here, the temple, this is the new temple of the Holy Spirit, wherein the blood of Jesus, it is signified that he is offered on the altar of our heart. Are you with me? Are you okay? Now, we always use Matthew 24 to describe the tribulation and to describe it in rapture terms and in coming futuristic terms, but we don't use Luke 21. We always use Matthew 24. But if you go over to the parallel that it was written by Dr. Luke, uh, it's interesting to read that, and I think we should read it together because I think it brings more clarity uh, to these judgments that were going to come upon Israel within that generation. So this generation shall not pass away. By the way, the word is geno. It means a race of people living now. It doesn't mean aeon, this age. It doesn't mean a world system. It means you that are standing here in front of me, this, this people, you people, will not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. Uh, That's why they were eyewitnesses of them, by the way. So let's go to Luke 21. We'll read Luke 21. I know we're about out of time. Uh, And so uh, I have to wind this up fairly soon. Luke 21, verse 5. "And And while some of them were talking about the temple and that it was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts, he said to them, as far as these things which you're looking at, the days will come in which there will not be left one stone upon another, which will not be torn down. And they questioned him saying, teacher, 
When, therefore, will these things be, and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See to it that you will not be misled, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he. The time is at hand, but do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end does not follow immediately. Then he continued by saying, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places, plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay hands on you and you and will persecute you, delivering you to synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake, and it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. Didn't all that take place? It did, by the way. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves, for I will give you utterance and wisdom, which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. But you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated on account of... uh, uh, of my name, yet not a hair of your head will perish, but, but or by your endurance you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is at hand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are in the midst of the city depart, and let not those who are in the country enter the city, because those are the days of vengeance, in order that all the things which are written may be fulfilled. Woe to those that are with child, and those who nurse babes in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land, and wrath to the people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword, and will be led captive into the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there will be sign in the sun and the moons and the stars and upon the earth, dismay among the nations in perplexity at the roaring of the seas and the waves, men fainting from fear with the expectation of things which are coming upon the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. He's quoting now from Daniel saying, this will be the ultimate fulfillment of me coming into my dominion before the Ancient of Days. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. And he told, in other words, the persecution you've been experiencing at the hands of Israel or the Jewish people, even wherein they've been trying to kill you and take your life, even as Saul was one of those, that will be coming to an end. And he told them this parable, behold, the fig tree and all the trees. And as soon as they put forth leaves and you see it, know for yourselves that summer is now near. Even so, when you see these things happening, recognize the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away till all these things take place. Where do you go with a 20-hour sermon in 30 minutes? So the great tribulation was the closing chapter in an age or the dispensation of law. The Great Tribulation was a contemporary concern when the early church spoke of the last days. It was also known as the Day of the Lord. Let's go back to our graph. Let's try to wrap up some thoughts because I know I can't keep you. How many of you would be interested in a few classes on this? Would that be all right? Is it interesting? Is it okay? I want to talk about the Antichrist and the Antichrist spirit. I want to talk about uh, what we should expect in the last days. By the way, most of the things we talk about that are in the last days aren't in the last days. 
Remember, remember Joel said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. When did he pour out his spirit? Before the end of that age, he poured out his spirit, and those were the last days of that age. That's when he poured out his spirit in the last days. Remember Micah said in the last days, the mountain house of the Lord will be established as the chief mountain. Now, nothing wrong for us to believe that the mountain house of the Lord is the chief mountain, but no sense in waiting for it to be established as such. God already established it in the last days of that generation. Most of the stuff we talk about, we also quote out of Timothy where Paul wrote to Timothy, in the last days men will be lovers of themselves and they will be deceitful and they'll be boastful and they'll be disobedient to their parents. We prophesy that over this generation all the time, but it was those last days. These are days where righteousness dwells. These are days where the kingdom is increasing. These are actually the days of a new heaven and a new earth. But if we don't see it, if we don't understand it, if we don't perceive it, if we don't prophesy it, if we don't agree with God, if we keep disagreeing with God, this is why a generation couldn't go into their promise because a whole generation of two million people would not agree with God. Only two out of two million would agree with God. Two million said the giants are too big. We can't go in. It's too scary. We can't believe this is for us. We, And so God said, all of you must die off. And Joshua and Caleb, they will raise up a generation who will not look at the giants. They'll not look at the present, but they will look at my word, and they will agree with my word come hell or high water. No matter what's happening in culture, no matter what's happening in the news, no matter what's happening in the nations, no matter what's happening with the races, they will agree with my word. God is trying to raise up a people who will agree with his word. It says in 1 Peter that the prophets prophesied and they sought to understand the Christ and the sufferings of the Christ and the glories that would follow. We're 2,000 years later. We're in a realm of glory. We're living in, a, we're living in an age of glory. And yet for 100 years, we've become the most pessimistic Christians on the planet, not believing at all what God has wanted to do, intended to do, and not believing that the history of the goodness of God that we're walking in today, that women are people and not chattel, not property, that women can vote and that women can talk and that women have value, that children have value, that, that, that slavery is is wrong, that, that a man should only have one wife and not ten. Hello, somebody. That we, can have, that we can have dishwashers that wash our dishes and cars that run us down the road, that, that the earth is ours to enjoy, that we're living in blessings that up to 100 years ago, every Christian fought to bring forth, and they believed the kingdom of heaven was now And now we've become the most pessimistic people prophesying the Antichrist is right around the corner and that we're going to hell in a handbasket. I I saw this morning that California voted over the weekend or whatever. They're going to start teaching gender poo in the schools at the second grade level. 
So it was, it was, and I looked at the Facebook postings on that. It was great cause for many Christians to start wringing their antichrist hands and just waxing eloquent on the fear of, uh, and, uh, and how America's going to hell. America's going to have a revival. America's going to be restored. The kingdom of heaven is going to grow. The truth is going to be exposed. Believers are going to begin to wax bold with the goodness of God. We're going to begin to talk about how good God is. We're going to begin to make testimony about how our future is bright and it's not dim. Fact is, the more, this is what Isaiah said, the more it gets dark, the more the light shines on you. Arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen on you. But we have to believe, we have to be a believing generation. We cannot be this numbers 13 generation. Band, please come or I'll just keep talking all day. We cannot come forth, band, come, come. We cannot, you're supposed to shut me down by coming on the stage. That's my trick. We can't be this, this Numbers 13 generation. Numbers 13.33, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as grasshoppers, and so they manifested grasshopper living. We have to be those who see that the giants are nothing before our God. Homosexuality is nothing before our God. In June of 2016, June 2016, a month ago, the Presbyterian Church of the United States opened their, inter, their national council with a prayer to Allah, a Muslim prayer to Allah. What's happening in the church? The church is falling apart. No. No. The hot are getting hotter. The righteous are getting bolder. The God-fearing are talking to themselves, Malachi 4, and God's taking note of it. The God-fearing, come on, stand, stand. You have to stand and shut me down. The God-fearing are talking to themselves, and God's taking note of it. And he's saying, I've chosen those who will be mine, and I've set them apart, and I've called them out who will be mine. And they will, they will skip about. I know it sounds silly, but they'll skip about like stalls from a, from a, from calves from a stall. They're going to be, oh, my goodness, they're going to be the most excited people on the planet. Call me a dominionist. Call me a faith preacher. But don't call me anything like depressed, because I'm not. Full of hope. Full of hope for our future. Full of hope for our future. Amen. Now, I don't know where you sat on this. I haven't given you enough scripture to convince you of anything. But hold out your hands, if you would, and just ask the Holy Spirit to give you hope. Would you do that? As far as I know, you're going to eat today. You're still breathing. Unless you've got a gun ready, you're probably going to continue to live. Why not live in hope? Come on, come on. Stretch out your hands and say, Holy Spirit, give us hope. Give us hope. Hope we can pass on to our children. Hope we can pass on to our schools. Hope we can pass on to our law enforcement. Hope we can pass on to our communities. Hope that is infused into our churches. The hope is there's not a tribulation coming. The tribulation was to destroy Israel, the unbelieving, and they're about to be restored fully. 
When 1948 came, it wasn't preparation for a tribulation. They don't need judged again. They don't need tribulated again. We're not getting ready to tribulate them again. When 1948 came, it was God indicating that he was stepping in to a word that he gave Hosea in chapter 6. I have wounded you. I have torn you. But after two days, I will come and visit you. On the third day, I will raise you up. There was a prophetic word that Hosea saw. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Read it. Look at it. Hosea 6. We've entered into the third day. This is the third day. It's the third 1,000-year period. And what happened is God was saying in 1948 when they were restored to their land that the times of the Gentiles is about to come to a close and I'm about to fully restore Israel. And it's about then that they began to... Please don't turn me down. Oh, I'm real sensitive. I know everything that happens back there on that machine. It's about then that they begin to say, Blessed are those who come in the name of Yeshua. Now Jesus said something. Jesus said, They will not see me again, the Jewish people, until they say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And what is in their mouth? What is in their mouth today? Even their prime minister just visited the church in Orlando just recently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's in their mouth today is, Blessed are those who come in the name of Yeshua. God's about to do something. These are the greatest days. We're living in the greatest days. We're living in the manifest greatest days that have ever been. These are the kingdom of heaven days. And if we as a church will begin to agree with God concerning these things, the new heaven, the new earth that he's ordained to be manifest will continue to grow. Even as it's been growing for 1,900 years, it'll continue to grow and we will see a fullness of the goodness of God manifest in his people, through his people, and on the planet until the glory of the Lord covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. Can you give him a praise? Give him a thanks. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We appreciate you. We welcome hope. We welcome hope, Holy Spirit. We welcome hope and we welcome the unfolding of Scripture. We ask that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would rest on us deeply and richly so that we understand all things that you've ordained for us to walk in, enter into, and enjoy. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, let's worship as we go.